Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Today, I want to, I want to bring you to uh, a passage in John, John 10.10. 10. It is one of, one of the most quoted passages of Scripture, I think, and people kind of pass over it. But I think, in my opinion, it should be a passage that we look at as a filter for everything in our lives. And if we don't do that, then we miss out on God's best for us because it is Jesus' mission statement. Straight from the mouth of Jesus, he said these words, and if you don't look at them continually as a filter, then your life will be messed up. And I'll talk to you about it today. So here we go, John 10.10. It says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that they may have life, and have it to the full. Let's read that again. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. It is amazing and powerful. We believe that it goes deep inside of us and, and springs forth things that we see again and again and again. It's a, it's a wellspring of life. It is a, a flourishing tree. And you said if we would, we would tap in to the river of your heart, that we would grow and bear fruit continually and never have an off season. We would continually flourish. And Lord, I believe that today as we look into your word. I pray that you would heal bodies, touch minds, recalibrate lives, give us new paths because of what you have said, that you give us life and life to the full. Do it today in Jesus' name. Amen. So my daughter is, uh, she's, a, she's a competitor my oldest daughter. All my kids are competitors. Um, I get them all in the same room. They compete at each other. They just yell at each other and back. Not like yell. They just like try to outwit each other and have comebacks. And Judah's only seven, but he's got a middle school sister. And uh, she thinks that she can just talk all this stuff. And, and Judah's getting really good at comeback. And he's only like seven years old. And I'm like, that's my boy right there. That's a, that's a good kid. But my oldest daughter, she's super competitive. If, if your blood is pumping through your veins, she can smell that blood. And she wants to draw it out. And she wants to eat you whole and gobble you up and leave you for dead. That's what my, da- my daughter is like. She is the competitor of all competitors. As a matter of fact, that she has, uh, <clears throat> she was a gymnast for a long time. And, and, you know, you get medals and you stand up there. And, and it ruined her. I think it ruined her. If she got like a, uh, you know, a 13th place, thank you for coming ribbon. She left it on the podium and just walked off. Um, she is a competitor of all competitors. Uh, she is constantly looking to have the best time, the best uh, routine. She's constantly have the most points. Whatever it takes, she wants to win. So in, in, in her life, she was doing gymnastics, you know, all year round. She was competing, and, and it was getting every year. It was like another night of the week, and so it was like five nights of the week all year round, four or five hours a night competing uh, or, or training to compete. And uh, she gets to seventh grade and she's like, I, I want to play like sports, you know. And so she had to quit gymnastics to have this, um, this, this life of athleticism. You know, it's a big switch. Now it's school sports um, and, uh, you know, extra teams during the off season and all of that. So she, <clears throat> she signs up for, for volleyball 
And she really never played volleyball, but she went to a, a camp, and she learned a few things, and she came in, and all the coaches were like, wow, like, you're just now playing volleyball? And she's, like, doing, like, uh, moves that only the high schoolers are already doing. My sister's like, she's already, like, serving like this and, and spiking like this. It's like, yeah, that's just Reagan. Like, she just wants to compete. She just naturally gets stuff. And, uh, and then Nick, along comes basketball, and she signs up for the basketball team, and she's never played basketball before. So I had to take her out and give her a few lessons. I hit her in the face a few times, like, that's basketball, um, which may not be true. But I wanted to hit her in the face, just she was talking back, you know, just to get her in shape. Uh, so it's like, that's 90s basketball. That's what we do. Um, so she signed up for basketball. She doesn't even know, like, like she'd have the whistle blowing on, and then they'd be like, yeah, give the ball to the other team. And, and she'd be like, what did I do? It was like, well, you can't pick it up and do that, you know, or whatever it was, like little rules that she would break. She didn't know what she was supposed to do, but she wanted to win so bad. So she, she kept, like, going forward, and, and she had it, in the, like, in, in her mind that she was going to be the best. She was going to start. She was going to play the most minutes, score the most points, whatever. And if she couldn't score the most points, she was going to play the best defense. Whatever it was, she was going to be the best at. She's that much of a competitor. Well, uh, this year of basketball season, um, she was playing basketball, and she was driving, and she had this girl that, you know, she had a bad attitude, and so my, my daughter was going to show her about her attitude, and so she was coming at her, you know, and just taking it right to her, and, uh, and then she goes down. She goes down, and her knee is jacked up, and, uh, and she's laying on the ground, and, 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 you know, like, when you get hurt, you're thinking all the things, like, did I, did I, is blood pouring out of my nose? Uh, you know, will I ever walk again? Like, is, is my brain functioning? All those things, like you're blacking out. She's covering her eyes and she's crying. And I'm like, Reagan, can you get up? And her coach is like, Reagan, can you get up? It, how are you? Whatever. And she doesn't know what to do. She's laying there. Her whole life is slashing before her eyes. And she's wondering, how bad is this injury? So we walk her off and she sits down and then it, it's not getting better. Now, Reagan usually always kind of bounces back. She's a little bit of a hypochondriac. A, she's a girl. She's in middle school. Okay, so <laughs> hypochondriac. I'm like, you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And this time, I didn't know that she was going to be fine. I didn't know that she was going to walk. But all of a sudden, she, uh, she, she can't move her leg. It's stiff. You know, it's not like super swollen, but it's stiff. And we're like, what's going to happen? Another girl had just torn uh, an ACL. Another girl had MCL uh, damage. And they were all out and walking around like, you know, limp, limpy McGee. And... Uh, so Reagan is, is pretty scared about her knee. So we take her to the doctor, and they have to check it out. And she can't go skiing. She's like, Dad, can I please go skiing? Uh, you know, can I, can I at least try to ski? I'm like, no, you can't ski, Reagan. You'll never walk again if you try to ski with your knee like this. Like, she just wants to be active. And so we go to the doctor, and then the doctor says, uh, I'm, it, it's not torn. It's not, uh, but it is serious. I'm going to need you to go to physical therapy. Now, physical therapy for those of you that have been in it, is a place where they put you into positions that hurt for the moment that help you grow later, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's like uh, the doctor comes in and tweaks her knee every which way, you know, this way, how does that hurt? You know, uh, all the stuff that she didn't want to do to her knee all week long, now this doctor is just like, rah, rah, mm, uh, does that hurt? Whatever, and she's like, yeah, it kind of hurts. The doctor leaves, she starts bawling. She's like, that hurts so bad. She's crying. Don't, don't tell her. She's crying. Don't even bring that up to her. Are you in this room, Reagan? Okay, good. Thank God. Oh, my God. Okay. She's crying. <laughs> He's like, this is going to be better. Will I ever play again? You know, all those kind of things. And, and, and she's going through all of the, the mental things that we all go through when we face a moment of uncertainty. 
Sometimes that's a big uncertainty. Sometimes it's a little uncertainty. But she's worried. And so we finally go to physical therapy. And the doctor does the same thing. Tweaks it all around. And, and she wants to cry. And then, um, you know, for the first couple sessions, she, she had like the, the nice entry level, here's what we're going to do with your knee sessions. Okay? So it's like, you know, how's that feel? Okay. And it's for over half an hour. It's just moving a little bit at a time. And about, about, you know, the third or fourth session, they start like, okay, now I need you to lay down here and press. And I need you to stand here and do 20 squats, you know. And so normally, Reagan's like the most active. Like, I could never do pull-ups ever in my life in, you know, up until like high school. And, uh, you know, she's like the pull-up queen, you know. She's like the sit-up champ. She's like the sit-and-reach champ. And now she can't even squat, right? So she's got like these little baby squats, And that's not enough for her. She's like, I can't squat. So in her mind, because she's not as good as she used to be, she can't do what she used to do. Now she's useless. Okay? But in between useless and where you used to be, great and being able to smell your blood and wanting to eat you alive and and, and being completely immobile is this place called discomfort. So she goes from, from the third to fourth week, and then she goes in and she has this different physical therapist. Her name is Bree. She goes in and sees Bree, and I, I just dropped her off, and I took the kids to go get some ice cream, and we ate, and we had a big party, and we came back. We're like, how was your last 45 minutes? Like, ours was awesome. We played and had ice cream. And Reagan's like, mine was terrible. I go in to meet Bree, and uh, Bree's a, a lovely young woman who's, who's vibrant and excited, and she's like, I hate that girl. I hate her so much. I don't even know how to say her name. Is it Brie or Bri or what? Because it's spelled B-R-I-E. And she was like, it's terrible. I hate that girl. I never want to see her again. And I'm like, what happened? She's like, she made me do stuff and it hurt. Okay. So she's there. She starts to tell me about it. And then we get home and then Erica's at home and she goes up and she tells Erica all about it. She's like, and her name is Brie or Bri. I don't know. I was like, whatever. It's like, she hates this woman because she made her, she's like, my knee hurts so bad. And she's like, it's swelling up again. She made it worse. Right? Because she made her do things that were uncomfortable in order to get her to a place where she would grow into who she's supposed to be, what she is supposed to become, and to get back to the place where she can smell blood and eat people alive. So she says, what Reagan needs to do is go home, and if she ever peg legs like this again, don't let her do that. She should never peg leg again. Okay, we're talking about like the fourth session. I'm like, well, you know, she's like sprained it. She's like, she's like, no, she should never, she should always be bending. She should walk up the stairs and bend. If it hurts, I don't care, Bree says. Okay. So don't let her tell you that she needs to peg leg. Okay? I said, Reagan, what went on? It's like, she made me walk back and forth, bending, kneeling, all that stuff. And then she's like, you shouldn't be limping. This is what the doctor told me. So as she's walking, you know, like you hurt, you limp. The doctor would slap her thigh and say, don't limp. Right? Now, this is my competitive daughter. Normally, if my, if my daughter was 100%, she'd be like, hey, you want to take this out to the court? and We'll settle it there. Right? She's a 14-year-old girl who has every comeback in her mouth. She can just slap her back and forth, talk about her dye job. She can talk about, you know, how hairy her lip is. Everything, you know, like whatever my daughter has the comebacks for, but she's got to shut her mouth and take it from this person, Brie or Bri, I don't know. 
Because she's got to go from immobile to where she's supposed to be. But it's not, it's not fun. As a matter of fact, Reagan has doubts about whether she'll ever play again. She has fears about dribbling the ball into another person. I said, you got to do it until everything works like it did before. And she's not so sure that it'll happen because she doesn't have the sight to see it. All she sees is this moment where she experiences loss, tragedy, defeat, and the hard work it takes to get to where she wants to be. Have you ever had somebody set you back? Something sets you back? An obstacle that comes into your life? And it's easy because you don't have the proper sight to believe or to not believe, it's easy to get discouraged and not believe that what's on the other side of this discomfort is actually where you want to be. Now, it's, it's, we naturally gravitate to things that we're good at, right? It's like, oh, I can, I can handle this. Like, but what happens when you get to something you can't handle? When you're the sole provider for your family and all of a sudden you can't provide? What happens when uh, the person walks out on you and, then, and you're left to do something that you're ill-equipped for? What happens when you lose the job that you had the skills for and now you got to go get a job in a different field, but you're far too old and you're far too gone to learn something new? What happens? It's this moment of from here to here. And so we begin to ask questions like, why, God? Why did this happen to me? How did I get here? I don't, I'm not really sure what I did to, for you to put me in this position, but now I'm in this position and I'm not sure I'll ever play the game again the way I wanted to play. I'm not sure I'll ever do life again. Why couldn't you have done this when I was young? Why couldn't you do this when I, when I could recover? Why couldn't you do this when we start going through all the whys because we lack the sight that is in this particular verse, John 10, 10. It is the filter for everything in our lives. It is the filter for your today, tomorrow, your future, for your past, everything. And it is this. The thief is the one that comes to kill, steal, and destroy but God has sent Jesus to the world. The whole reason God would even take himself and put him on the planet in the form of Jesus is because he wants to bring you life and life to the full. One version says life and life more abundantly. Abundantly means that you have more than enough. It means that it's not just full up to the brim. It is overflowing. Like an iced latte at the wrong place. Just overflowing. Now you're sticky everywhere. Like, this is more work than what I had planned on. What if you had more money than you could possibly contain? This is more work. That I just wanted just enough. Now you got to figure out how to give it away. Ali keeps talking about having to give it away. Now I got to give some away. What happens if you go to the next tax bracket? Some of you are like, well, you shouldn't have to pay so much tax. My goal in life is to have to pay a million dollars in taxes one year. Like, that would be too bad. You had all those taxes. Could you imagine the money you made if you made a million dollars? Had to pay a million dollars in taxes? People are like, I don't want that kind of trouble. I'll invite it. <laughs> How about you, Jake? You good for that? Amen. All right. So figure out way, a way, right? What if? What happened when you wanted kids and now you got a lot of kids running around? Coleman's? And now they're a headache. Now they're talking back. Now they got issues. You're like, well, I just wanted small children. That was it. Now you got trouble. 
What happens when you just wanted to be happy and now you're so happy and everybody is discouraged? I wish I could just find some more people who are happy like me. Everybody is so negative. I I just want to be around positive people. Maybe you have an overflow of positivity because you're supposed to infect the negativity. But you lost sight of it. You just wanted to be happy. Now you're overflowing with joy. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah, it would. But it requires you having the proper perspective. All I wanted to do was to start my own business. All I wanted to do was to be married. All I wanted to do, you just go through all of these things that are actually overflowing. God wants to overflow in your life, but they come with some trouble. If you have the wrong perspective. The proper perspective is this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come they may have life and have it to the full. This is God's way of everything in your life. Jesus comes to me. Now, I don't mean like, here's, here's what people get trapped up in. They're, they're running around trying to find the thief. Okay, for instance, my son has an Xbox, and I get a paycheck. I put it in my, my account. Uh, he's, he's online with his Xbox, so he can play people, you know. He's got a free game called Fortnite, but he wants a new battle axe, you know. And uh, so he goes to the, the store and buys a new battle axe and spends $30 on, on something. And I'm like, Judah! Why did you just spend $30 on the Xbox and I'm out of money? Well, not completely out, but I'm out of the 30 bucks. And he says, well, I, I didn't know. I could go, well, you know what? That's just the devil stealing all my money. Right? You ever something happened to you? Somebody at work? I'm like, that's just the devil. It's like, no, maybe it's just you trying to learn to figure out how to love everybody. Right? You're on your way to, to church. It's like, oh, you get a flat tire. The devil's in the tire. Right? You're trying to get your paper done for school. It's like almost midnight, 1130. All of a sudden, the internet goes down, and you can't finish your paper, and you get an F on it. That's the devil. You know, I started this business, and when I first started, I had all this business, all this work. I had a paycheck coming in. My wife was like, hip-hop, hooray, this is great. You should have went, uh, you should have became an entrepreneur years ago. Now, all of a sudden, everything's dried up. Your freshness has run out. You have no more creativity because you're relying on yourself. And all of a sudden, you're like, this must be the devil. Can I get in your business a little bit? Blaming something on the devil. And every opportunity, you have the opportunity to see it with this filter. But God comes that you would have life and life to the full. Right? And what happens is, is that over here is this place that you want to be. It's actually the place that God has for you. It's the place that he dreams you to be. But you're stuck over here. And you getting from the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy is actually you not letting Jesus slap you into shape a little bit. It's the change that requires the proper sight. If I don't see that I can be that person over there, I'll remain this person. He wants me to have more than enough overflowing to the full over there. But I'm content over here because of the pain that it takes. I may have some disappointment. I may have some, some sadness. I may have a little depression. I may have some anxiety about it. But I'm okay to live with that. Because it's better than that pain of Jesus slapping me around and saying, don't limp, don't limp. But it hurts. Don't limp, don't limp. Push this, 
push it again. I don't want you to act like anything hurts. I want you to walk over here in this place that I have for you. So what does that look like right here? It looks like right now I feel like everybody hates me. Oh, good. I have verses about that. Pray for those that despitefully use you. I don't want to pray for them. Well, remain over here. You know what? I feel a bit weak. You know, I'm, I'm depressed. All this stuff is just heavy, heavy, heavy. Well, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. I don't want to have joy. Well, then you can remain right over here. It's the change that it requires here. I don't have any peace. I don't have any peace, God. I lay it at bed at night. I'm staring at the ceiling. My eyes are swirling. I'm going over every bad thing that's ever happened to me. I'm trying to figure out how my 14-year-old daughter has better comebacks than me. When did that happen? How do I raise my kids? How do I fit financially? How do I make it all happen? I'm juggling everything. He says, you know what? I, I just said that if you would keep your mind stayed on me, I keep you in perfect peace. But that feels like keeping your legs straight. That feels like don't limp. Just rather be over here. After all, when I complain about it, people actually come to me and coddle me. I have a whole coddling group. We go out, we drink wine, and we coddle each other. So good to have a girls' night. Just coddle. Coddle what? Your complacency, your mediocrity, where you want to live over here. You know, I find people in my life that when I get with them, they go, you know what you need to be is over here. And I go, but right here. And they go, it doesn't matter. Over here. Over here. Everywhere we talk, everywhere we go, everything we do, over here. No, that's not you. It's over here. Over here. But this hurts right here. I know. You got it. You can handle it. And here's, here's the problem with that is that we don't see over there. There's enough people telling you that this is where you can live, and this is what Jesus meant when he said, carry your cross. It's right here. He said, no, the carrying your cross is I want you to do the work that I've called you to. And I guess what? When I call you to a work, when I put a cross on you, it's not hard to bear. It's easy to bear. That's an actual juxtaposition that most people want to live in. They quote this verse. I have come that may have life and life to the full. Oh, that's Jesus. Okay. He says, if, if any of you are, are, are weary and heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my burden upon you because it's easy and light. And I'll take your burden. It's the ultimate trade. And then they go, yeah, but you're going to need this cross over here in mediocrity and, and, and fed up. And depressed and anxiety. He says, no, 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 no. Trust me. This is all I'm saying. Just take up this cross. All it says, keep your mind stayed on me. That seems a little bit, you know, simple. But do you do it? Do you walk into your workplace with joy? Well, you don't understand my workplace. I'm trying to run around and make sure everybody's doing the right thing. I'm over there to their cubicle. They're not doing their work. They're over there playing... Uh, Boggle, because that's what I play. <laughs> I come up here at Allie and Josh are sitting up there, and I'm just in there playing Boggle. <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm just worshiping, just trying to find the word. <laughs> I'm just in the word. 
It's not true, but I don't put my own word. It's easy. Simple. It just requires you to do it. It just requires you to maybe, oh, it's uncomfortable. It hurts a little bit. It's not hard. It's actually very simple. That's not very hard. But it hurts me. Why does it hurt you? Because you're comfortable over here. The first thing I told Reagan when the doctor said he, she was walking around like this for like two weeks because it was Christmas and couldn't get into the doctor. And, and then she went, Josh took her to Minnesota and she was, you know, walking around like this. And the first thing the doctor says is, why have you kept this stiff for two weeks? That made us worse. Trust me, if you over here stiff in yourself, stiff in your bad attitudes, stiff in your depression, it's going to take a minute to get it to, to work out again, but you've got to work it every day. You've got to work it. It's not easy. Discomfort. It's not hard. It's not hard. You have the wrong sight. Here's what Hebrews says. Hebrews 11. You know this first. Here it is. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. I have to tell Reagan again and again and again, you're going to be better off than you ever imagined. Your knee is going to be stronger and better. You're going to be a better basketball player, a better volleyball player. You're going to be faster than you have ever been in your past. She doesn't see that because I can see the future. She can't see it because she sees her circumstance. You don't see this version of yourself because you see your circumstance. The only thing difference between your circumstance and your future is this moment right here, and everything that you need is right here. It's just discomfort. It's a little bit of change. It's going to be difficult you know, to, to do, to discipline yourself, but they're not difficult challenges. To just be happy is not hard. You want to know how? Because I can find something in your life that makes you happy if I put it in front of you like, oh, <laughs> Allie told you, for me, it's shrimp. Like, I'm, I'm a pretty basic person. Like, all, all I got to, you know, you just give me a latte. Hey, here's $20 to the mug. Oh, <laughs> I'm so happy. I just forgot all about my troubles. So we're driving down the street, and then for some reason, I dropped my coffee all over the floor. And then I'm not happy anymore. And then I see somebody I know, and they're like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, hey, I'm great. <laughs> While I'm cleaning coffee out of the floorboard, I hop back in, and my wife says, oh, yeah, it was now you're good. You just had coffee all over the floor a second ago. How many excuses are you going to give yourself to hate somebody because they have the wrong letters in their name? You don't know how to say it. They make you uncomfortable. You hate it. But God's like, you know what? I gave you peace for that. I gave you love for that. I gave you the self-control for that. Every opportunity I give you that you think is difficult, I give you the thing you need for it, the supply. Life, life to the full. My daughter, my daughter needs braces. It's like $5,000. My insurance won't cover it because, you know, I don't have that kind of insurance. And, uh, which braces, most people don't cover, right? So now they're like, okay, it's going to be like $5,500. But because you're a pastor, we're going to give you a discount. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, thank you, Lord. We're going to give you $500 off. I'm like, that's not what I was hoping for. 
but I'll take it. <laughs> and this is what the monthly payment is. Just pay this in 20. We only think she needs 22 months. She can pay it off in 22 months. Okay, what's the payment for 22 months? Oh, yeah. Now, over here, it seems like mediocrity. It seems like my old self. Broke, in debt, creditors calling, problems after problems. But I refused to live that way. I was going for this over here. So I've been plugging away at this every single day. 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 What is that? Another opportunity for this. Every problem over there. Another opportunity for this. Everything I face. Another opportunity for this. Another opportunity for this. Another opportunity for this. But it requires change. Change. Some of you are asking God for more of him in your life, and he's giving you the opportunity to change with him. You won't do it. God, I just need more of you in my life. Yeah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Peace. Favor like a shield. You have self-control. You can handle it. You have the strength. I go with you. I go before you. But because our sight is hindered, we don't see by faith. It's a confidence. It's an assurance of things we don't see. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is about this prophet Elisha. And Elisha would go for Israel and uh, he would prophesy to them about their strategies. Okay? And these other armies were trying to defeat Israel, and they were always thwarted because of the prophetic word that would go out from Elisha, and he would give them the strategy, and they would win. Now, the armies got together, and they're like, you know what? we got to figure out what's going on, why they're always being, and somebody tips them off, says, the problem is not that Israel is so good. The problem is not that they're so strong and so mighty. The problem is they have Elisha. Elisha hears from God, and they have a divine word every time they go into battle, and that's what helps them win. So the armies, they're smart. They go, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take out Elisha. And so they go and find Elisha, and he's in a certain house, and he goes out, and his servant is just hanging out. He's thinking, life is so good. I'm living the ministry life. But he doesn't realize that ministry is usually a fight. And so he walks out, and he's like, he may be smoking a cigarette out front like all pastor's friends. <laughs> that's, that's not in the Bible. That's just my version. And all of a sudden, he sees these armies are surrounding the house. And he, you know, wets his pants a little bit and goes back inside. He's like, you're not going to believe this. There's armies outside. They're all going to kill us. Okay. Now, this is the equivalent to you walking outside, and you got green berets, you got snipers, you got tanks, you got Humvees, all that outside your house. All pointed your house to kill one person. Same equivalent. Well-trained people, all of the armies coming at you. And Elisha doesn't break a sweat. He doesn't do anything because he's learned this process. You know how he learned it? By following another man of God named Elijah. And he goes, God, would you just open the servant's eyes so he could see you in the middle of this? And he goes out and he can see angel armies surrounding their armies. They're invisible, but now he can see them in the spirit. And all of a sudden, in a moment, the servant's attitude changed, the servant's confidence changed, the servant's assurance changed, because he now had faith in what couldn't be seen a minute ago, but now could be seen. Okay? This is what we have to have in our lives to endure 
the simple little things that will get us over here. This sounds stupid. If I, if I just smile and I'm happy and, I, and I'm full of joy and I have a positive outlook about what God can do and I'm thinking that he can fill me to overflowing even though it doesn't look that way, it doesn't feel that way, and I'm sick of all of this, we're seeing something that nobody else can see. Assured of things that cannot be seen. It is the place that God wants for you. It's changed. What's the problem? What's the problem then? If, if it's so easy, Brandon, to change and to go where you're supposed to go and be who God wants you to be, if it's so easy to do that, just follow after the word, why don't more people do it? So easy to do. Why do so many people have any tough times? I mean, I've been trying that. I tried it for a little bit and didn't work. But guess what? I tried to work out really hard and follow Chuck's diet plan, but it wasn't so good. So I, it wasn't working the way I wanted to, so I stopped. Sorry, Chuck. I'll pay you later. Like, I, I'm need a different plan. He's like, no, if this is what you want, you got to do Well, I got to drop another 40 pounds. What do I do? He's like, well, just go back to this that I told you, and you'll be there. I said, but no, 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 Chuck, you've been at this a long time. I mean, I, I, his, his, when he calls me, is a picture of Chuck just completely shredded out at like 22 years old. Now he's got like one of those car- cute cartoon faces and said, I will never, ever, ever make your face that cute cartoon. I want this shredded version of Chuck. I'm like, his arms are the size of his head, literally. So you got started at 19, so you just, you're better off than me. You're ahead of the game. I said, no, you can do it. How do you know I can do it? Because it's easy. Well, it's so easy, why don't more people do it? Because it's easy not to do. Isn't it easy to go to work and just have a pissy attitude? Sorry, Norma. Isn't it easy to just wake up and be like, the world sucks? Isn't it easy to look at all your issues and all your problems and go, I hate this? Okay? The enemy doesn't come to flatten your tire. The enemy doesn't come to make your kid have a bad attitude. But I get get this. The enemy will tell you all sorts of things. Let me just give you a little, little example. This is the enemy's spot in your life. You know, here it goes again. (laughs) I told you. Remember, I've been telling you this all along. There's no way you'll ever make it over here. God God doesn't have your best in mind. I mean, after all, what, what, he wants you to be like Brandon? He wants you to be like Pastor Paul. You know who you are. You'll never be like Pastor Paul. Nancy Joe, <laughs> she came straight from heaven. I, there was, she just came down. You'll never be her. <laughs> Somebody. Else. You know, Brandon, you know, he had that, that story. I mean, you know, God gave him an awesome wife, but you'll never have an awesome wife. I mean, maybe an ugly old maid but never a wife like his. And you're like, you know, that's, that's right. Yep, I've been telling you. Yep. Well, you know, maybe I need a new job. Yep, you do need a new job. I know you've been in this three months, and they say it's going to work out for you, but it's not. <laughs> Let me tell you five stories about people that it didn't work out for. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
And you made a place for him. Doesn't take much. It just takes a little thought. Fiery darts the wicked to come and to throw you off. I don't like her name. I can't say it. It's not her name, Reagan. It's that she made you do something uncomfortable to get you where you're supposed to be. Change. Change. Here's things. I got them written down on my phone because that's what spiritual people do. What are the things that keep you from that easy way? It's easy not to. Here's, here's why. Fear. Fear will get you apart from the place God wants you to. Fear. It'll never work again. I'll never do it again. Never be able to do it again. I'll never be married again. I'll never fall in love again. I'll never have my retirement back up. I'm going to just retire with this. I'm going to have to just rely on my kids. I'm going to have to just go on and on. God doesn't heal anymore. God doesn't make whole. I got this hole in my heart, and it will never be filled by anything. Fear. What if I try and it fails? Well, then you'll be out. And you'll be a star all over again. Won't it be so bad? What about that business? I don't know if I can start a business. It'd be just fear, anxiety. What happens? What happens in the next election? What happens in our world? And Jesus didn't say anything about those things. He said, the steel thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy everything I can do in your life. And I want to give you life and life more abundantly. But you keep going back because of fear. What happens when the stock market falls? What happens when my retirement? What happens if I go into debt? What happens? What happens if my kids go away and leave me? Fear. Next one. Enemies of change are laziness. Laziness. Doesn't it feel so spiritual to be lazy? I'm just waiting on the Lord. Just waiting. Just waiting on the Lord. No, you're lazy. I had uh, my brothers were musicians, and they moved to Houston to play music and to travel. And they had this guy that traveled with them. His name was Johnny, okay? Not any reflection on my brother Johnny, but um, this guy was a pretty boy. He was a guitar player. Most guitar players are really pretty and prima donnas. Okay, so they traveled down to Florida, or John Houston, not Florida. That's where my brother Johnny is. They traveled to Houston, okay? They go out every single day to find jobs to support themselves while they're playing music and so they can make it in the music business. Johnny comes in. He puts in one application, goes back to the couch, sitting on the couch, flipping through the TV. They come home from, from uh, looking for jobs all day, and they said, hey, uh, did you go look for jobs today? Because we got this apartment, we got to pay the rent. Johnny says, yeah, I got one. They said they'll probably call me. He said, okay, do you got any more? No, just that one. I, they'll probably call. Johnny was there one day. My brother Dave and Rod sent Johnny home on a bus. Laziness. Some people are lazy and call it faith. Faith has to be active. Faith has to be something you do. Some faith has, like, they're standing in front of the, the Red Sea. What did God tell Moses? Raise your arms. I think that they, the water didn't even part until they stepped their foot in. Same thing happened for Joseph, or not, uh, not Joseph, for uh, Josh, Joshua. It's like they're walking in the Jordan. says, the minute you step in, that's when the water will go. The minute you step out, the minute you'll move in faith, the minute you'll start, that's when God moves. But he moves by faith. 
Peter and John went, went to the temple to pray. They, they see this man. He's lame there. He, he's, he's crying out by the gate, beautiful. And, and uh, they're like, give me some money. Give me some money. And he looks at them and says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I'm going to give to you. He says, look at me first. The man has to look at him. And the Bible says that as he stood up, that's when he was healed. Most of us are sitting around in lazy mode talking about, well, you know, I got Monday, I'll make it to heaven. But until then, I'm just blessed assurance over here in mediocrity. Laziness. You'll never hit change because you're lazy. Lazy. You won't come to Bible study. You won't open the word. You won't even dig it. Ali said, Brandon loves the word. Brandon loves the word. There's a time when I hated the word. You want to know why? I didn't get it. I open it up and be like, well, that's dumb. <sighs> I'm just tired. No, you're lazy, Brandon. I remember I was at a concert, and this guy, craziest ultra call. He's the lead singer of Newsboys, the bald one, not the new guy. And he says, God, he's like, if you're here and you just want to love for God's word, who gives an altar call like that? I was so dry and barren. My life was not working out. And I was like, God, give me a love for your word. Within two years, I was enrolled in Bible college. I, you walked into my house. It was I had people talking about Jesus on the TV until I could figure out how to hear it and understand it for myself. People like, this is all you watch? Yeah. Josh would say, there's a time Brandon just had earphones in his ears all the time. What was he listening to? Sermons. There's a time when I listened to my favorite, favorite jam, Tupac. Man, yeah. So good. This is the truth. Wasn't the truth. You have to hear the truth to grow in the truth. Laziness is thwarting you from overflowing life and life more abundantly. Here's the next one. Ignorance. Not that you're stupid, but you don't know. Ignorant. Like if I had to try figure out how to tell you how to play chromatic scales on the piano, you'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm ignorant of that. I never heard of it. A lot of people are not where God wants them to be because they don't know that there is a place where God wants them to be. God wants you to be an answer to somebody else's life, somebody else's problem, somebody else's broken heart, but you can't do it because you don't, you're ignorant of the fact that God wants to use you. That your family can be saved. God wants to use you, but you're ignorant of it. You're living over here in Midian. This is as good as it gets. Yep, you said it, brother. I just feel like there's more. There's not. You're probably right. Sitting in ignorance. Sitting in ignorance. If you go back to this verse, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. God wants you to live. Live. Life. Flourish. Grow. Produce. Do more. 
exceeding abundantly. If you read the whole Bible, you're going to see it over and over and over and over and over again. Abraham flourishes. He's like a Fortune 500 company walking around in the desert. No place to live, just walking around. Lot, Lot is attached to Abraham. He's just blessed. Jacob, blessed. David, blessed. David's so blessed that he leaves his son Solomon so much money that he can make a temple and, and a design and, and everything from God and his anointing on his life. It's just, it's just more than enough. That's God's nature for you. And if you think I'm just talking about money, I'm, I'm not. There's more than that. There's more than that. There's fullness. There's okay. I am rejoicing. People say to me, like, hey, hey, how are you doing? And they were concerned about my life. And I would say, I'm doing excellent. And they couldn't get it because they couldn't see over here. Now they can see Eric and they're like, yeah, he's, he's doing good. <laughs> he's doing real good. About to spend my honeymoon in Malibu. Amen. Real good. What is possible for your life on the other side of this discomfort? It's not hard. I walked in one day, and Reagan was laying there with something on her leg. She's like, oh, I'm just icing up. <laughs> what is that? You can do some work in here. No, this is the step I have to do. I was just over there, and I had to, I had to do a lunge, a baby lunge. You're like, what are you doing baby lunges for? Got a lunge. No, just one step, one thing. God says, just open up your Bible and read it. I don't know, I don't, I don't understand it. Brandon says I can understand it. I don't get it. Wake up every morning, listen to Joel Osteen then. Well, you know what? My, my neighbor says that he's not a man of God. Well, trust me, he is a man of God. What he says every, you don't know this, but in my darkest times, I've turned on the podcast of Joel Osteen I let it play all night. All that southern talking. <laughs> well, you know, brother, bless God. <laughs> I can even hear his eyes blink. <laughs> and then his wife gets on there. It's like, you know, I'm just telling you, you can make it. God's going to do great things in your life. I was like, yeah, you know what I can do. And I get up in the morning, and I don't feel like doing it. And then I feel like, you know what, I bet if I make my bed, that'd be a good start. You know what? I, I bet if I would just walk down the street, smile at somebody, encourage them, I bet that'd be a good start. Even though I feel like hell, I bet it'd be a good start to put a smile on. To see with faith. I don't know. Awful lot of stuff going bad. Yeah? Not in my life. It's getting better. It's getting better. Don't limp. Don't limp. Don't you dare limp. You better see with the right filter. You better see with the right filter. You better see with the eyes of faith. That's going to make the change in your life. You stand to your feet everywhere you are. Every head bowed, eyes closed. I just want to talk to just you. You've been fasting. Maybe you've been giving up something. You heard about our fast and you didn't get in on it the way you wanted to. But that's okay. It's your moment right now. Whatever it is, God has, he's individually working with you. He's calling your life forward in a way. 
And he knows your plan exactly for where you are, your injury, whatever it is. He's calling you forward, but it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Is it hard? No, it's not hard. You're going to have to see beyond what you see. You're going to have to see in the spirit. You're going to have to see that God is for you. He's not against you. You're going to have to see that, that he is working, even though it doesn't look like it, that all of this is going to work out for your good because things happen for you, not to you. That God is able to take the worst things and make them good things. He's able to bless you 2,000 times greater than you have ever been, you and your children, just because that's the way he is. He promises to take care of you. You've got to step out. No more fear. You got to get off that lazy bum and you're going to have to stand up. You're going to have to wash your face. You're going to have to make your bed. You're going to have to put that smile on. You get to slap your thigh and say, don't limp, don't limp, don't limp, don't limp. It's not working out. It's uncomfortable, I know. It'll work out. God will do it. He'll move you. That's what he does. Just lift your hands all this room. God, we receive the power of God that says you have come that we could have life overflowing, more than enough in every space, our heart, our head, our body, everywhere. God, do it. Do it with your power, your grace, your might. We need you. Today, if you want to join with God, where he's calling you to go, say, God, I will. God, I will. Just say, God, I will. I know it's uncomfortable, but God, I will. I'll follow you. I know what you have for me is greater. I will. I will. I will. It's more. God, you said in your word, it was just faith, just believing. And we believe because you're the one who gives faith. You're the one that gives life. And we love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Give God a big praise wherever you are. Come on. You may be seated.